If you think your past has ruined you as a dad, this episode is for you. If you think you can't break the abuse cycles that are now defining you as a dad, this episode is for you. If you're mad at God because of what has happened to you in your past, this episode is for you. If you think you want to try being a parent without God, this episode is definitely for you. So stay with me. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Pastor Tariq Patel. Tariq knows what trauma is. As a child, he was raised in an abusive environment with both verbal and physical abuse. He knows what it is to face the uphill battle of trying to be the best for his family while the past threatens to claim him and his family. And I have brought him on to share how he is winning and how you can win as a dad too. Pastor Tariq, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. We like to start off with a dad joke. So what is your favorite dad joke? Well, my dad joke's a little too corny to be on air, but I have one I I will submit today. Um, How does the moon cut his hair? Hmm. How does the moon cut his hair? Well, the answer is eclipse it. (laughs) (laughs) that one's a great one yeah yeah eclipse eclipse it it's yeah that makes that makes perfect sense to me yeah yeah thank you for sharing that that one one. that was a great one yeah yeah i don't think my kids will like it but i like it Pastor Patel, we've talked beforehand you mentioned growing up in a traumatic environment of deep poverty and abuse at the hands of your father at levels most of us find really, really hard to imagine. Would you be willing to share your story with us? Absolutely. Well, I grew up in a Muslim home. Uh, My father is a Muslim. My mom was raised in a Christian home, but when my parents married, I grew up as a Muslim. My mom was not a practicing Christian. And so my father was very strict in teaching us Islam and reading the Quran in Arabic, and he would often have his sandal out there. And I was five years old, so if we didn't pronounce the word correctly, the letter correctly, then I would get a spanking straight away. And so I grew up in that environment of a very strict home. And uh, eventually, uh, my father ended up moving all of us. We were in Hartford, Connecticut at the time. Um, I have those five siblings, five of us total. I got uh, two brothers, a twin brother, older brother, and two sisters. We were all in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, my mom started to go back to church, but then my father decided to move the entire family to Saudi Arabia uh, so he could get more control of his family. When we went to Saudi Arabia, um, my father came up with another plan. And I'm going through this fairly quickly for the sake of time, but I want to just kind of give you an understanding of the environment I came out of. Very strict Muslim home. Uh, We prayed five times a day, lived at the mosque. I just remember growing up there at the masjid with my father. And um, 
he came up with this plan while we were in Saudi Arabia to um, take the three boys, me and my two brothers, away from our mother. And my mom had no idea. He took us away from her, and we were gone for about seven months, and he dropped us off uh, in India by ourselves. And for the seven months, the imams, their equivalent to pastors in Islam, they were knocking on the door of my mother's apartment, telling her to convert to Islam. And if she doesn't, she's not going to see her boys again. And so my mom went through a journey of faith and trusting God um, over receiving her kids back. Now, I'm a father now, and I don't know how she did that um, because my son is the same age I was during that time. Uh, my son is going to be nine this month. I actually turned, I think, eight or nine when I was in India. Um, when I was there, my father left us there, and we were bouncing around literally uh, for those seven months. Me and my two brothers, young boys by ourselves from village to village, school to school, with people that we didn't even know, people that my father didn't even know. And so um, definitely the abandonment was there and the abuse was there too in India. So we, I see my brothers get beat up in front of me by grown men and uh, we went through a lot of trauma there in India. I didn't, I mean, the conditions there, I didn't brush my teeth for seven months. We stayed in these boarding schools. They locked us up at eight o'clock at night, one of the locations. Uh, to use the bathroom, you got to dig a hole in the ground, squat down, hundreds of, or, of lice in my hair, had malaria, almost died. I mean, I could tell you story after story. Um, I was molested when I was there, when I was eight years old, when I was in India. So it was a lot for an eight-year-old kid to go through. Um, before that, my father, he, uh, yeah, he started to lose control of the family. You know, my mom was a Christian, and he had a problem with my mother um, teaching us about Jesus. And, uh, and so things got physical, with, even with my mom. And, uh, and that's kind of, uh, it went down to that dark place with my family, and it literally took a miracle for us to be delivered from India. Um, and just quickly, I'll share that, you know, my mom was praying for those seven months to get her kids back. She didn't know where we were. And she was literally praying for an army to deliver us. And that was back in 1991. So Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And when he invaded Kuwait, um, that's when there was instability in the region. My father could no longer support the plan for us to be in India and couldn't even support the family in Saudi Arabia because there was a war going on. And so long story short, we had to get out of India to come back to Saudi. And then from there, uh, about a couple years after that, my mom would divorce my father. And my mom was a single mom raising five kids. And so by the time I was 11 years old, I had a lot in my heart, a lot in my heart, um, a lot of damage that I was carrying in my heart, a lot of things that I've seen. And it had a deep impact in my life. And especially my personality, naturally, I am an introvert. So I hold everything in. I've always been that way. And so it was very, I found it very difficult to navigate through life 
um, after the early early stage, early start, early beginning of my life. That's a quick summary of my story. After all you experienced and witnessed as a child, how did you keep yourself from repeating the abuse patterns that you grew up with? Excellent question. I can only say one name and one word, and that's Jesus. That's all I can say because that's the truth of my experience. Um, growing up after that, I found myself you know, into hip-hop, rapping, drugs, alcohol, and unbeknownst to me, I was just carrying that pain with me. I didn't know how to release it, didn't even know. I wasn't really cognizant how deep it was, um, but my life bore fruits of just chaos. And so everything that I did was just, was just, I was tearing myself up. I was tearing people around me up. And this went on for years. And I just thank God that I had an experience where I picked up this Bible and I found peace and healing in Jesus. And the, the scripture says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, that just, I'm, I'm feeling it even now as I'm saying it, that just spoke to my heart on such a deep level because I knew I was rest, restless in my, in, my heart, in my heart, but I didn't know how to get it fixed. And so the Bible, when I started to have a experience with God, and I've tried everything that this world can offer. I've been running the streets for years. By the time I was 30 years old, 29, 30 years old, is when I got addicted to drugs. I got addicted to Oxycontins. And I had friends dying all around me. Uh, my digestive system shut down for almost a whole month. I'm on the streets. I got holes in my shoes. I mean, I'm in horrible condition. I got eviction notices on my door. I'm hitting rock bottom. And it was then that through a series of events that God was knocking on my heart saying, Tarek, I've been waiting for you. Tarek, open a door. Let me in. I can fix this problem. And once, once I started to let God in my life and open this Bible, it really showed me my condition, but more importantly, it gave me the healing and the peace that I didn't have. So to answer your question, uh, what prevented me from repeating that cycle, the cycle was broken when I let the Lord in my life. Let's go back a little bit and tackle a very, very difficult question. It's a question I've personally asked as well. And I know many other, there are many others who have this same question. Where was God during the abuse you experienced? And where is God in the lives of listeners who have gone through the abuse as a child? Great question. That is a tough question because, you know, while you're going through that experience, it's easy to put your fist in God's face and, and curse him out. In fact, when I first was going through all my drugs after actually when I was 29 years old and I was going to these Bible studies and it was there that I started to, because my friends were dying, I was dying, I had no hope. But I'm going to these Bible studies and half of my heart was like, man, I don't believe this stuff. The other half was like, man, I need this stuff because I've tried methadone clinics, rehab clinics, nothing is working. 
And so I grew up as a Christian with my mom teaching me. I grew up with God. And so I started to hear these Bible stories about a loving God, a God who can heal, a God who's merciful. And I found it hard to embrace that fully because of my condition. But when I started to just surround myself more at that Bible study and open his word more and start reading about the life of Christ and who he is, things slowly started to change in my heart. And I found myself depending and and leaning more towards God. And literally the first night that I prayed, I cursed him out in my prayer. And I basically said to him, where were you my whole life? You weren't there. And I and as I was praying to him, oh man, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Something happened where I found myself just crying and emptying out. And I was just asking God for help. Because I I believe that as I was reading in the Bible, going to those Bible studies. I started to build a different view of God, and my faith was like, he's not to blame for what happened. People have made choices in my life that were supposed to be my parents and other people around me, and God loves us so much that he gives people the freedom to choose what they want to choose. But God is about love and life, and I realized that even as I was 29 years old and I was crying out to God, that he was there and he is there. And he was able to reach into my life during that prayer. And ever since that moment, he has been building me up and completely has turned my life around. And that's why now I can use my, my test, my, my trial as a testimony. And I pray that it will encourage somebody else to put their, their arm in the hand of God because God is able to heal. He's able to turn it around. When I first prayed that prayer, I ended up going to rehab. Uh, I'll just share this testimony because God was giving me so many signs that he was with me. Um, After I prayed that prayer, the reason why I prayed that prayer too is because I had an eviction notice on my door. And my my, um, landlord, she was so nice. This lady was so merciful to, towards me. But she says, I gotta, you're going to get evicted because you're not paying your rent. I'm, all my money's going to drugs. So, you know, I was going to lose my job as, too, as well. I was out of work for about a year and a half, a worker's comp, because I was in no physical condition to work because the addiction had just ruined my, my body. And so I had a lawsuit against my company, my job as well. And I knew that They were going to fire me because they hated me. I was always arguing against them. They knew I had a lawsuit against them. I was going to get evicted. I'm dying. I mean, I was on rock bottom. And so I prayed that night and I said, Lord, if you can keep my job and help me not to get evicted, then I promise I will go to rehab and I'll read my Bible and I'll pray to you every day that I'm there in rehab. And so I made that deal with God. This drug addict made the deal with God. On a, that was on a Sunday night. Uh, Monday morning, I went back to the job because I had to go back to work now. My worker's comp was finished. 
And when I went back to the job, I had to talk to the HR manager, plant manager, and warehouse manager. Now I had bad relations with all of them. I had a lawsuit against them. They hated me, vice versa. I couldn't work. I knew I was going to get fired, evicted. I'm done. I'm on the street. So I went to the job and I prayed that night, saying, Lord, if you can, you know, keep this job and I'll go to rehab somehow and I will uh, pray, pray to you and read my Bible every day. I went to the job that day and I spoke with the HR manager. Her name was Jennifer. And I said, Jennifer, do you have a second? She said, yeah, sure, T. And I pulled her into the, uh, she pulled me into her, her office and it was the most difficult thing for me to do. I had to tell my enemy that I was addicted to drugs and that I needed help. So I told her, I said, hey, I'm addicted to these pain pills and, you know, I need help. I don't know how to do this. <clears throat> that lady looked at me, Jonathan, and she said, T, everybody call me T. She said, T, it took a lot of courage for you to say that. I'm very proud of you. I was taken back because me and this lady have always argued, but now she's telling wow. me she's proud of me. She said, I'm very proud of you. She, she, uh, the door was closed. Then she said, I'm going to get on the phone and the job is going to pay for you to go to rehab 80 something percent. And my biological father paid the wow. other 15% or so. She says, we're going to pay for you to go to rehab, and then you get to come back and keep your job. So I'm like, wow, I just asked God about this last <laughs> night. And so she she says this to me. She says, T, I need you to go on the phone in the other office and start to talk with us, uh, another company that works with the company to start to, the process of me picking a place to go to rehab. So I go on the phone, and I'm talking to another guy. <clears throat> when I come back to the office, Jennifer is standing there and she looks at me and she says, T, while you were in there, I was praying for you. Whoa. And she said, it looked like you needed it. She closed the door. This is the HR manager. She knows I have a lawsuit against them. She says, T, I have to do what God tells me to do. And she said, I got baptized about two months ago. And the Holy Spirit has been working in my life and he wants to work in yours. The HR manager pulled her Bible from the top shelf and she began to read with me out of the book of Galatians and Ephesians for almost an hour and tell me how God has been moving in her life and how he wants to move in my life. Now, let me tell you, Jonathan, I thought I was a tough guy but I was in that office crying because I felt I never felt so special in all my life. I felt like God stopped the sun, moon and stars. And he said, Tarek, I have been waiting for you to call on me. And here I am. And I cried out to the Lord on that Sunday night, Monday morning. Not only did my HR manager was praying for me, leading me to Christ, but now I had my job paying for me to go to rehab. And my father would pay the other 15% and I would still keep my job. It was things like that. As I continued to trust God and call on God, it was things like that, that I saw him every step of the way holding my hand and he built my faith. Now you could talk to me and nobody could tell me 
that God is not able. Because I can look back, that's just one story out of hundreds of how God has built my faith in him. The more I look to him, the more he has shown himself to be strong in my life. So I don't, I, I think that's what your question was, my friend, but God has been showing up in my life. And the more I look to him, he has been directing my paths. And God can take it. Whatever you throw at him, he could take it. He wants to hear um, our hearts as it is. And I didn't realize it until later when I started to read the scripture. And it says in the book of Psalms that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And it says those kinds of prayers says, oh, Lord, you will not despise. Isaiah says that he dwells in the high and holy place, but he also dwells with those who are of a contrite heart and a broken spirit. When I read those scriptures, it says contrite means that your heart is broken. You're going through it. But the Bible says that when your heart is broken, that's a type of prayer that God cannot resist. And that's when God dwells with you when your heart is broken. He is there. I started to realize that later in life, that when you get real with God, he gets real. with And he is a very present help in trouble. There are many dads out there trying to parent without God. I've done it. Many would argue that they don't need him. Some may even go as far as to say that he doesn't exist. What is the difference between trying to be a good father with God involved and trying to be a good father without God being involved? Why should dads trust God? Without us looking to God, um, we fall apart. Um, That's just been my experience. Our, our natural hearts, we just kick back into impatience. Um, our, our deportment, our behavior, our thoughts, our actions, we literally just fall apart. We don't have that, that ability to have that wisdom. Um, a lot of times, um, it may not even be the words that you're speaking. It may, it may just be the way you're carrying yourself in the home that your kids are going to pay the most attention to the things that you're not even cognizant or, or aware of. Um, and so what, I, what I've learned, too, and a lot of things that kick in from my, from my DNA, you know, we all sit, find ourselves even acting like our parents and repeating that cycle naturally. Um, uh, with, like my father, he, would, he was a very disciplinary type of guy. And I know that without God in my life, I would probably have that tendency to fall back into that natural groove. So for me, um, by looking to God, um, it means absolutely everything in my character, in my thoughts, in my feelings. If my thoughts are on God, then my feelings are going to be determined by my thoughts. And then that's going to affect my character. So um, I'm, I'm learning too that, if I start to think on things that are higher and better than me, then that's going to make me higher and better. And the highest and the most best is God himself. And there's a scripture that I love. It's in Second um, Corinthians chapter 3. And it says that by beholding the glory of the Lord, you are changed. And that's powerful because if we want to experience change in our life, we got to behold the glory of the Lord and just behold who God is. 
then he can bring change. And then it says we are changed from glory to glory. And only then I can be a fruitful father and a husband in my home if God's spirit is in my heart changing things. So it's an experience where the spirit, the Holy Spirit literally lives in you, changing you from the inside out. And it's there's something that's really powerful you said earlier, backing up a little bit. And that was, you talked about the genetics. You have these genetic tendencies from your own experience. And right. I know exactly what that is. I've experienced it too. I know what that is. It's just like a, um, it's like an autopilot switch that just goes off inside of you when it comes mm -hmm. to certain situations that trigger it. It may be what you say in reaction to something your kid does wrong or the way you discipline and you just go in auto mode and it's so right. easy to do. It's, and so from there, it's so important to start your day out with God. And there's a dad that I've had on the program before that taught me something really, really important. And it's become a habit for me. Every time I get up every day, when I face the day, I've learned to pray a very simple prayer. And that is one to ask God to literally walk beside me through the day. That's one. And two, because I believe he's omnipresent and he is, he can be everywhere at once at the same time. And he's timeless and limitless. He can also be ahead of us. He can be in the future at the same time. So I literally ask him to walk ahead of me and walk beside me all at the same time through my day. And there is a marked difference between the days that I pray that prayer and looking back on that day, what happened and the days when I forget to pray that prayer and looking back on, on what happens, there's a marked difference. And you know, those tendencies, those genetic tendencies you have, where you just want to snap or react a certain way, because maybe that's how you were treated or that's the way you grew up. And that's all you you've known. God is so much bigger and able to turn those switches around. He's able to live inside you literally and work through you and transform your reactions. I've experienced that too. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. What you're saying is so key. You know, it's to me, it's one of the greatest evidences of the existence of God. How can dads get a hold of you if they have any questions about fatherhood? or about who God really is? My email is my first name. It's Tarek, uh, T-A-A-R-I-Q, or Tarek, like you say. It's, that's how my name is pronounced in Arabic. Uh, T-A-A-R-I-Q, at andrews.edu. Um, that's a good email that anyone can feel free to reach me at any time. And just to make it easy, if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com, Go to this episode, click right below the episode description, and I will have the email address posted there. So you can just click on it and copy it and be able to use it right away. So as we close, Pastor Patel, what is your challenge to that dad listening who's trying to reconcile his past of being abused with his current role of being a father? Here's, here's my challenge for that father. There's a couple scriptures. First one that comes to my mind is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember, 
Whatever challenges you face, always look to Christ. He is your strength. You can't do it by yourself. I think once we understand that fact, that we can't do it by ourselves, we weren't intended to do it by ourselves, we need Christ. Pastor Patel, thank you so much for being on the Father Challenge. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.